0: You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, a place where hope and reality converge. I uh, want us to do something tonight, and that is stand. You say, why are we standing? Because I just believe in doing some things differently. During week of refresh, I want some things I've not experienced. I don't want cookie cutter, do you? I don't want the same old, same old. In fact, to be honest with you, uh, I gave Pastor Jason a sermon that I was attempting to preach, but the truth is... In my quiet time uh, between lunch and here and praying, I really feel like the Lord spoke to me about preaching a message that you've already seen on the table, and it's, to be honest with you, a very signature message called Shout Don't Pout, and it's been on my heart for years, and I've preached it all over the nation, and to be honest with you, I've tried not to preach it, but uh, in my hotel room, the Lord really um, steered me toward this message, and Pastor Jason kept saying, greater things, greater things, greater things, greater things, and that's what the Lord spoke to me in my hotel room room this afternoon and uh, to be honest with you I want to look into this word again but I want us to see it from the, the standpoint if it's not just God doing greater things it's us as a body doing greater things it's us as Christians doing greater things how many of you believe that God wants to use you into a greater capacity raise your hand he's just looking for people to be willing Amen? Lift your hands right now across this place. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we're asking for greater things. Lord, that you would do in us, and God, you would do through us. I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, that you would release us, Lord, to be who you've called us to be. Lord, that you would put your spirit and your anointing upon us in this season. Lord, this is due season. Lord, this is due season. Lord, we've been waiting Lord, we preach on the season of waiting, but Lord, what about the season of due season where, Lord, you're looking at the church and saying, it's time. It's time to go. It's time to be the body of Christ. It's time to be the believer, the Christian, the young man, the young woman, the man of God, the woman of God that I've called you to be. It's due season. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, would you release us into due season, God? Lord let this be a season of fulfillment let this be a season of opportunity Lord I pray in the name of Jesus that you will open up doors that have been shut God I declare the favor of God upon our lives come on church will you intercede just for a moment oh how we need His favor upon our lives Lord we need God things Lord we need supernatural components to our life where Lord we look into the mirror and we look into our church and we look God into our families and say God did that and Lord I pray release that in the name of jesus that lord it's not just what we can do it's what you can do lord it's not just us being faithful with our part it's you putting your supernatural hand and touch upon our lives and god i pray would you release the favor of the lord upon our lives god this year that we would walk in the favor of the almighty god come on i dare you to pray this prayer right now say god favor me lord favor me in the name of jesus Lord, open up doors that have been shut. God, help me to see things. Mm. You know what the Lord is saying to some of us? There are doors that you've not even seen yet. There are opportunities that you've not even seen yet. God, open up our eyes. Lord, to see broader, to see wider, to see deeper. Lord, to see beyond the immediate. Lord, give us... Spiritually, a 2020 vision, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Hit your neighbor and tell him not to pout. Hit your spouse and tell them to quit pouting. Hit your daddy and tell him to quit pouting. Preacher told me to. Shout, don't pout. It's been a signature message. I'll never forget where I was whenever God spoke it to me because to be honest with you, it was in the depths that God spoke this to me. Understand this. Some of your greatest seasons of desperation will give birth to some of the greatest seasons of revelation in your life. It's in the season of the death that you hear God. It's in the season when you're least expecting it. When How many of you understand what I'm talking about? We're in a season where you're just eating carpet before God. Desperate before Him. Desperation gives birth to revelation in your life. Revelation should give birth to application. How many of you understand? God is wanting us to be doers of the Word. And whatever He reveals, He is wanting us to do. Somebody say amen. So those revelation... Now, there's meditation, there's revelation, there's application, and then there is manifestation. Let me go ahead and say the pattern for you one more time. There's desperation. Everybody say desperation. Desperation gives birth to great revelation. Everybody say revelation. Paul said, "I pray that your spirit might be enlightened, that you may know Him better—a spirit of wisdom and revelation—that our hearts would become enlightened. And so, you have desperation, you have revelation, and then you have what? Asian. You're like, I don't know which one is it. Then you have application, that you would be a doer of the word." Application leads to demonstration or manifestation. How many of you believe in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God be poured out upon us in power. You understand that the gospel is not just a feel-good message. You understand that the gospel is not just inspiration for good living. You understand that the gospel is not just a patty-cake gospel. It is the gospel of power that must be manifested in our life and through our life. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout. When he heard about a biblical Jesus, it elicited a response within him. Let me just go ahead and tell you. We have got to preach a biblical Jesus again to this generation. That he is a Jesus who came to destroy the world works of darkness somebody say amen that he's a Jesus who came who died who rose again and ascended back into the right hand of the father he heard about a biblical Jesus and the Bible says he began to shout Jesus son of David have mercy on me meaning rebuked him and told him to be quiet but he shouted all the more but he shouted all the more but he shouted all the more the enemy of shout in your life is often shout. The moment that we become aggressive in the things of God. The moment we make a decision to throw off certain identities like we're going to talk about tonight. The moment we decide to get out of the boat and to walk on water. And the moment we begin to shout, rest assured, your flesh is going to say, shh, die to yourself. So he might live to another level? I don't think so. Rest assured that the enemy is going to shout and try to talk you out of, listen to me, what God is trying to talk you into. I am tired of seeing believers allowing the enemy of their soul talk them out of what God is trying to talk you into. Oh, shh. The greatest enemy of shout is shh. How about our own unbelief? How about our own doubt? And we begin to shout, and we hear things like, this is really not worth it. We hear things like, well, this is really is not going to work out anyway. Well, we've prayed about this before. I've tried to do this before. And we silence our own shout because of a spirit of unbelief. Hit your neighbor and say shout. Hit your daddy and say shout. Hug your mama and say Shout. He began to shout all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me! Jesus stopped and said, "Call him." So they called to the blind man and said three things. I want to say to you tonight: Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Come on, you got to say it with me. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. <laughs> Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his seat and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. Let me just call the time out. Don't you think it was obvious? You're blind. Don't you think that's obvious? What would you like for me to do for you? Duh. Let me just go ahead and say, there is a participation that we have in the miraculous in our lives. I believe in Jesus. They can just do it. But here was an invitation for Bartimaeus to participate in what God was trying to do in his life through prayer. It's not that Jesus doesn't know our need. It is that we need to say it. It's that we need to declare it. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Let me remind you about a principle in the kingdom of God, and that is this. It is your attitude that sets the atmosphere for the amazing to take place in your midst. It is your attitude that sets the atmosphere for the amazing to take place in your midst. How many of you understand that attitude is everything? If you have kids or you've ever worked with teenagers, how many of you have ever said, it's not what you've said, it's... Attitude determines the atmosphere for the amazing to take place in your midst. My oldest son, Jake, started playing soccer again a couple of seasons ago, or about six months ago, actually. And at the same time, he got braces. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You remember those days? Yeah, that's a fun check to write. And the dentist told him, the orthodontist told him, we've got to wear this mouth guard. And he's wearing this mouth guard out playing soccer. And I can tell that he's playing with his mouth guard. He just can't get used to it. So he runs on the sideline. He says, Daddy, hold out your hand. And he takes this mouth guard out, this nasty, slimy, spitty mouth guard, and puts it right in my hand. He says, thank you, Daddy. That was getting on my nerves. And he takes off to play. It was amazing to me. It, that was just six months ago, but it brought back a memory of whenever he was born. Do you remember when your first child was born? I know up here in Pendel that you guys, you ladies are, you're strong and you're courageous and you have your baby and four hours later you're back to work. But down south... We are sissies. Okay, my wife and I, when we were pregnant, understand something, Kyle. When your wife is pregnant, it's not just her that's pregnant. You're pregnant too. If there's a politically correct way to say this, we are pregnant. So when we had our first baby, my wife was induced. And we exercised the gift of the epidural. It's a gift from God. Came in at 5.30 in the morning. They were pumping her full of drugs. I had my video camera. Because every man needs blackmail. Come on. Kyle, I'm teaching you some things. Hey, doc, push a little bit more in that IV. Induced. Atmosphere continued to build the entire day. I was a youth pastor. My youth ministry filled up the waiting room of the hospital. They didn't invite us back to the hospital after that aunts and uncles that I didn't even know were family members were coming to visit. I'm from the South. We're all related. People showed up out of nowhere. And finally, at 5.30 in the afternoon... Jake was born and I held that baby in my arm and said, truly, this is a gift from God. How many of you remember what I'm talking about? Listen to me. Some of you have been pregnant for years and God says, I'm going to bring you into a season where you behold the very things that God has spoken in your arms and saying, God spoke to this years ago, but there's a season of fulfillment that we walk into where we hold in our arms the very promises of God. How many of you still believe that the promises of Jesus are still yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord that if he spoke it he is faithful to finish it and listen some of you have been pregnant longer than nine months it's been nine years and in this season listen to me let the Holy Spirit come upon you again that that baby on the inside of you might kick don't you remember moms feeling that baby kick for the first time Oh, I know there's something inside of me. Listen, this whole week is called Refresh. The whole emphasis is God unlocking certain things. Oh, may the babies of our life begin to kick again on the inside of us that we might have a sense of hope a renewed purpose about the very things that God has spoken over our lives. May the Spirit of God come upon us and the baby on the inside begin to kick. The only problem is that every once in a while you got to set and determine your own atmosphere. That's what blind Bartimaeus had to do. Truth is, he didn't have a violin to help set his own atmosphere. He didn't have three different worship teams like your church is blessed with. You know, there are seasons of your life where the preacher doesn't go home with you. Where the worship music is great on Sunday morning, but it's not going to carry you on Monday afternoon. That part of maturity is learning how to set and determine your own atmosphere of life. David said it this way. This is the day the Lord has made. I choose to rejoice and to be glad in it. And though I'm thankful for my pastor and my worship team, I don't have to have my favorite worship band on in my car and other to praise the Lord. I've got my heart and I've got my mouth. And this is the day the Lord has made. And I choose by an act of my will to rejoice and be glad in it. Maybe not for it but in it I choose to rejoice that's maturity that's what Bartimaeus had to do set and determine his own atmosphere what would possess him he was blind Bartimaeus the outcast of society religious people surrounding the scene and here Bartimaeus is shouting Jesus didn't he realize this was not the point in the service to interrupt This was not the right moment. You know how it is. The right moment. No, 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 no. What would possess him? A couple of things. Number one, he recognized that he was at a divine place. The Bible says he was at a place called Jericho. And I believe he sat there and realized, wait just a moment. If walls fell at a place called Jericho in the past, then why can't walls fall at a place called Jericho right now? Ladies and gentlemen, if God can do it in your yesterday, why can't he do it in your today? If he can do it in your grandma's life, why can't he do it in your life and in your generation? Why can't the presence and the power and the promise of God be perpetuated to your children and to your grandchildren? I thank God for what he did in my yesterday, but I'm expecting God to do something in my today how about you he is the same today yesterday and forevermore and i've made a decision that god is going to perpetuate his presence and his promises through my life into the next generation if walls fell out a place called jericho yesterday why can't they fall right now and i believe also he sat there why would he shout what would possess him he recognized the divine principle, and that is this. If Jesus can do it for somebody else, why can't Jesus do it for me? I think maybe he heard about a leper who is healed of leprosy. Somebody else who maybe was resurrected from the dead. And he sat there and thought to himself, if Jesus can do it for him, if Jesus can do it for her, then why can't Jesus do it for me? Ladies and gentlemen. If of you believe he's no respecter of person? If he can do it for somebody else, then why can't he do it for you? If he can restore somebody else's marriage, he can restore yours. If he can heal somebody else physically, then he can heal you physically. If he can bring emotional breakthrough to somebody else's life, then he can bring it to your life. And if he can set the captive free elsewhere, then certainly he can set the captive free in the house of God tonight. He is no respecter of person. He's just looking for a childlike faith what would possess him to shout. Here's another one. He got fed up with this problem. I don't know how theological this sounds. I'm going to give Pastor Jason plenty that he can clean up next week. He's already going to have to preach on spit again and correct all my theology about that. Okay, here's another one. I'm just going to put this out there to you. The people who want, the people who get set free are the people who want to get set free. The people who want to experience more of God are the people who experience more of God. The people who believe that God is not through with them yet are the very people that God uses to greater measures. Are you with me? The people who want it are the people who receive it. It's plain and simple. And I don't know how theological it sounds to you. But I'm telling you, it is an act of our will to draw near to God and make a decision to believe. How do you know? Blind Bartimaeus. Oh, look at the title above verse 46. Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. He was identified by his issue and had just a moment where he said, I'm tired of my issue being my identity. The banner over his life. Blind Bartimaeus identified by his issue and identified by his past. Listen to me, church. How many of you would realize once again that the banner over our life is not our issue? The banner over our life is the love of God. Come on, somebody. That we do not have to live under the banner of our yesterday, of our issue. We can live under the banner of the love of Jesus Christ. So he shouts. But many rebuke him and tell him to be quiet. He shouts and many rebuke him and tell him to be quiet. This is where a lot of the victory is lost. This is where a lot of the victory, I should say, is forfeited. Because to be honest with you, in the Pentecostal circles, I believe that we still know how to shout, but we have lost shouting all the more. Make the decision. Though you come against me, I'll tell you what, go ahead and rebuke me now because your rebuke is going to be a source of encouragement to me to shout all the more. Resist me. Please come against me. Listen to me, church. If you're under spiritual attack, it might be because you're doing something right. If you're in a season of resistance, some seasons of resistance is because we have done foolish things. Others is because we are doing the right thing. I get concerned about Christians who never are a part of any kind of spiritual warfare whatsoever. Are you with me? I want to be the kind that is aggressive in my faith that gets the enemy's attention. Every once in a while, I want my steps of faith to cause my own flesh to scream as it's dying to itself resistance is not a bad thing resistance can be a good thing and the bible says that bartimaeus shouted all the more shouted all the more shouted all the more and all of a sudden look at what happens the very people listen to me that were speaking against him in one moment once jesus began to speak up are now speaking on his behalf in the next moment Let me go ahead and put it to you this way. There is something about perseverance. There is something about continuously walking around the walls of Jericho in your life. There is something about not throwing in the towel and not quitting. And that is this. You will soon realize if you do not grow weary in your well-doing, but you continue to shout and shout all the more, and you continue to persevere in your faith, you will discover that, listen to me, the very things that you thought were going to take you out in one season are really the things that God is going to use to take you up in your next And the very things that you thought could be your ending. Come on, how many of you have ever had an issue like that? This could be my ending to an aggressive faith. When you shout all the more, the very thing that you thought was going to be your ending actually becomes your beginning to another experience and another dimension in your walk with God. He shouts all the more. And all of a sudden, he hears these three words. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling you. Three phrases. You know what's happening? All of a sudden, Jesus is beginning to address not only the issue, that was blindness, but he begins to address the identity, which was a beggar. How many of you are grateful for a God who not only knows how to heal the issues of our life, but restore and make whole our identity? And in just three phrases, all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, you know what? Blindness, that is one thing. Let's go ahead and work on the identity of your life, which was that of a beggar. Cheer up. On your feet, he's calling you. Cheer up. Smile. Come on. You know you want to. Come on. I've been to some churches where I think they think it's a sin to smile. I've been to some churches where me as the evangelist became the greeter because I felt bad for the visitors. Let me tell you, it is not that I'm trying to be a blab it, grab it, call it, haul it kind of preacher, but I'm just telling you, we need more joy in the house of God and not less. My goodness, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Can we smile at the days that are to come? Not because everything on the outside is perfect, but because he on the inside does not change. Cheer up! Ah. Joy! church not long ago when i first went on the road and pastor jason i did everything i preached passionate hardly got an amen i was funny nobody laughed at my jokes don you have not laughed at one of my jokes all day did everything i could and finally i know your pastor doesn't have this problem but i do how many of you like me occasionally say certain things that you wish you could reach out and grab and put in your mouth back in your mouth I just looked at him and said, come on, people, show me your teeth. I don't care if they're white, yellow, or fake. I want to see you smile. They didn't invite me back to that church. I didn't want to go back. It's not that I'm wanting to be around. Listen to me. Perfect Christians, but I want to be around spirit-filled, presence-driven Christians who understand that I'm not going to focus on everything that is wrong with other people. I'm going to focus on what is right about my God, and that is my source of joy. Cheer up! You know what he's addressing? A beggar's perspective. You know what a beggar's perspective is? This is as good as it's ever going to get. If you are a blood-bought, born-again Christian, the Bible says that you're not a beggar, you're a believer. A beggar says this is as good as it's going to get. A believer says the best is yet to come. Now, you've got to make a decision whether or not you're going to be a beggar or you're going to be a believer. On your feet. You know what he's addressing? beggar's posture. Here's the punchline. Are you Ready? Beggars sit, believers stand. When Jake was born, never forget. Exciting things happening. Wife hooked up to drugs. Nurse is excited. Doctor comes in, sits down on a stool, looks up at a TV that's not even on. To which then I exercised again my gift. Because they came up to me and said, hey, buddy, is this what my insurance money is paying you for? You better get in the action over here. We laughed about it. And afterwards, he came to me and said, Mike, uh, I'm sorry. And we laughed about it. It was all good. He said, but do you realize how many babies I've delivered in my tenure as a doctor? I'm like, I don't care. This is the most important one ever. (laughs) No, seriously, do you know how many? I was like, I don't know, maybe a couple hundred. He said, try 22,000. To which I said, what? Listen, I'm an evangelist. I live by faith. I crunch numbers. I'm thinking to myself, I could do this part-time and do pretty well. (laughs) Product table may not be near as important. (laughs) 22,000. You know what happened? This doctor had been there and done that so much that he had lost the expectancy of the moment at hand. You know where I'm going with this one? This is my pew. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest spirits that we've got to break off the church today if we're going to see revival through our land is the been there, done that spirit. Come in. You know how many church services I've been a part of? Can't impress me, can't surprise me. It's not the pastor's job to surprise or impress. It is our job coming in saying, this is the most important service I've ever been in up to this point, and I choose to have a spirit of expectancy about me. Cheer up! Go ahead and hit your neighbor and tell him to cheer up. Next time you ask him to take out the trash and he pouts, tell him, cheer up. Shout, don't pout. On your feet, he's calling you. He addresses a beggar's perspective. He addresses a beggar's posture. Now he's addressing a beggar's purpose. Pop quiz. Do you know what the purpose of a beggar is? To beg! (laughs) That was tough, wasn't it? Bible says you're a blood bought, born again believer. If the job of a beggar is to beg, then the job of a believer is to. And Jesus said this: the work of heaven is this, to believe. Verse fifty two, throwing his cloak aside, he came to Jesus. The cloak represented his identity. And when he came to Jesus, he threw it aside and said, from this day forward, no longer known as a beggar, known as a believer. Worship team, come on back. Aren't you grateful for the worship ministry of this church? Aren't you grateful? I don't care what song you sing but remember the title of the message was shout don't pout (laughs) there's something about throwing off the cloak of a bedroom see how that was good bang those keys shout don't pout but you know every once in a while listen to me You do have to hit the keys a little bit harder in your life. You do have to hit the drums a little bit harder. Drummer with cool hair, I want you to hit the drums hard. I know there are seasons where we want to turn the volume down. But listen to me. There are seasons in your life where you need to turn the volume up. out above the issues how many of you tonight would say you know what i am believing for greater things i am believing that the best is yet to come how many of you would join an agreement that this church would not be a begging church but a believing church stand with me would you Come on, can you go ahead and begin to set your own atmosphere tonight? Can you throw those hands up to heaven and just begin to call upon him? You say, well, that might make me a little uncomfortable. Then that's very good. That's exactly where you need to be. Because I want you to just begin to lift your voice right now. Can we just come before the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Lord, we worship you. We worship you. Come on. Oh, let the Lord put a new song in your mouth tonight. A hymn of praise to our God. Lord, we worship you, worship you. You say, well, I can't sing. Well, good, sing. Sing unto the Lord. Sing unto the Lord. Lord, we worship you. Come on, church. Lord, we make a decision tonight to throw the cloak aside. Lord, I hear your voice saying, cheer up on your feet. God, you're calling me. Come on, out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of unbelief into belief. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.